Hey guys, Lena here and I want to say happy Valentine's Day. Today is Valentine's Day or as I like to call it Valentine's Day and I am pretty excited to share with you this episode that I recorded with Chris Fabry a year ago and it is just about how to thrive in singleness. Um, I love to focus on singles on Valentine's Day. For some it can be a hard day, for some it can be a day uh, of regret and disappointment and unmet expectation and yet it is also a day to remember all of the goodness of being single and the freedom that we have as singles. And so. I really want to remind you of those things, and I'm praying that whether you're married and whether you're single, that today would be a day where you can really remember all of the love that God has put in your life, first through Christ, the love that He's given us on the cross, but also the love that He's allowed us to have for one another. So I hope you will enjoy this podcast. I hope you um, let me know how your Valentine's Day is going. Why don't you email me at lena at livingwithpower.org. In the meantime, take a listen. You're going to love this episode. Thanks for joining us today for Chris Fabry Live online, chrisfabrylive.org. Valen Thrive is what we're calling our conversation here with Dr. Lena Abujamra, author of Thrive, The Single Life as God Intended. Dr. Abujamra, how are you doing today? Really good, Chris. I'm happy to be back on your show. And you said that you you want to talk about thriving, and because that's the title of our featured resource, of course, Thrive, The Single Life as God Intended, Valen Thrive. But take me to this day, tomorrow. This day marginalizes singles almost, I mean, we talk about Thanksgiving and Christmas as being hard for singles in a lot of ways, but this day marginalizes more than just about any other, doesn't it? It really does, and it falls at the tail of Christmas, which I think we spoke about not too long ago, where singles sort of stick out, and Valentine's Day even more so. It's a couple's, you know, traditionally a couple's, uh, holiday and and dating. Of course, people who are in a dating relationship might enjoy it, but so many singles don't date very well anymore. And so, uh, yeah, it's sort of, it's like, I was thinking about that today. It's almost like you're uh, invited to a big barbecue where, you know, the main course is beef and you're a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you know, you want to make the most of it, but you're sort of like, well, what do I eat here? And it's hard not to stick out and, and feel like you're just a little bit of a misfit. And just today, I've gotten a couple of emails already from people who are, who are single and who just still feel marginalized by their churches and, and by, you know, events where couples are invited and, and are sort of all the activities are, are, are made and created with couples in mind. And here you are, you're one table for one, and you're sort of going, well, what do I do on Valentine's Day? Yes. And the, in that, I think there is this chance, it's about any situation you have in life, you can be a victim. And so there very much, there's an identity in the whole victim nature of this. I'm single, I don't have anybody, and there's, and you can get stuck right there, and you don't want people to do that. Absolutely not. In fact, um, that's the heart of my ministry to singles and, and my book, Thrive. And so uh, uh, riding on with that, a couple of years ago, I sort of was toying with some ideas for Valentine's. And I thought, man, this is not Valentine's, it's Valentine's Thrives. This is a great time for us singles to step it up and say, look, here's where God has me right now. This is First Corinthians 7. God talks about, you know, Paul tells us that there are some people who are called to be single and whether you're called for it for life or for a season, it is what you are given today. And so let's Let's make the most of it. And now how can you look at this potentially, you know, dark day and turn it into really um, a, a glorious day of rejoicing yes. in what God has given uh, every each, each and every one of us? All right. Talk about that. Do you feel called 
to singleness? And how many people do you think that you know who are single <laughs> feel that God has set them apart and I'm going to be single all my life? Yeah, it's so hard to predict the future. And I think the answer changes when you're in your teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and on. I think the longer I'm single, the more I feel called to singleness. Um, but I think, um, you know, there's a certain amount of jadedness and cynicism in our culture now. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of people who have been single for some time can joke about that and be like, well, I'm called for single to be single for life. But I really believe, Chris, and I, I've said this before, and I, I really will say this confidently, I think for the majority of single people in the United States, I think deep in our hearts, we're wired to be in relationship and to have intimacy. So I really think that at our core is a desire to be married. I think God has put that there. And um, there are a few that are an exception to that rule. Again, you go to the big marriage and singleness Mm -hmm. chapter in scripture, 1 Corinthians 7, and Paul talks so much about this concept of calling, whether you're called to be single or called to be married, be in the state that you're called, be content in it, rejoice in it. And so uh, I think whatever state you find yourself in today is where God has called you. But I think if you really worked past all of the protective layers of, you know, that we put around our heart in order to make it look like we're okay where we're at. I think mm-hmm. deep, deep, deep down, if you really got every single guy and every single Christian alone, it's, I'd say the majority are really wired to be married. And that's a good thing. I think that's a glorious thing. That's God's plan for most people. Um, and I think the Holy Spirit speaks clearly to some Christians and gives them the confidence that they're to be Christians, single for forever. And I always sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek like laugh about some of that. My, my only example of a person that I knew who felt called to be single for life was a sort of a famous Christian single. Uh, she ended up getting married in her 50s. <laughs> I always think uh, even she went and got married. So what do we have left? We just have me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. I think... Um, I think wherever you are today is where God has you. And so make the most of it and rejoice in it. Is there such a thing as being too single? Without a doubt, I would think that there is. And uh, I think uh, 2018, this decade we're living in, this, you know, this time that we're living in is sort of a good time to be single. I think back in the 50s and 60s and before that, I think it was horrible to be single and there was so much stigma. And now with 52% and more of the population single, I think there's a certain, I don't know, uh, almost a pride in being single. I, I say it sort of cautiously because I know most single people are like, well, I don't want to be single, but but you almost, there's, a, there's sort of a, a a way to be single. There's a freedom in being single now that we didn't have before. And for both men and women, I think more so even women, it's easier to be single today than it was decades ago. And so, uh, yeah, it can become a sort of a, a state of mind where you become so habituated to doing things on your own. And I think particularly for, for women, I think the danger is to become so independent that it becomes really challenging to picture yourself in a relationship where you're no longer living for self, but you're living for someone else. And I think, again, same for men. I think that they probably uh, go through through it with some different dynamics. I can obviously speak better to the female perspective on this. But yeah, I think it's a fearful thing to step into a relationship, a marriage relationship when you've been, the longer you've been single. Yes. I really want to get into the dating arena today with you because that is one of the questions, you know, the online stuff and how do you look for in, in today's technological world, how do you, how do you do this? How do you navigate this? Because I think it should be getting easier with apps for everything. And yet the singles that Mm -hmm. I speak with, they're saying it's getting harder and harder. So that's on the table today. 
And you can call us as well. If there's something that you are struggling with in your singleness as we come up to Valentine's Day and you want to talk with Dr. Lena, you can call uh, 877-548-3675. Go over to the website. You'll see our featured resource right there by Dr. Abu Jamra, which is Thrive. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org. Uh, last time you were here, we were talking about the whole issue of purity, of sexual purity. Um, with this, does that impact the whole dating world today with our own, with your own concept of who you are? If I get into a dating relationship, then I might get into a situation. So I'm just going to, I'm going to avoid that altogether until I find the right one. And then, you know, you, you wake up a few years later and realize I never found him or her. Uh, there's no question that purity is an issue. Now, uh, I was recently at a, a college meeting and I was talking with some of the leaders at the college and uh, we were jokingly, the student life people were sort of joking tongue in cheek, but they were sort of making this uh, insinuation that assume everybody's sexually active and work from there. This is the college age crew. And and this was a Christian college. And I, I just sort of chuckled in my head because I thought, man, is it has gotten that bad? I mean, and I mean that bad. I mean, I know many people who might not hold Christian values might be listening. Go, that's not bad. How do you know if you're compatible with someone if you're not sexually active with them? But now look at it from a Christian's perspective, a biblical worldview, and you're like, how can that be an assumption? And so to say, you know, is 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 it an issue? It ought to be an issue. It ought to be something that you talk about with the person that you're dating. You know, what are the boundaries that you're going to put? Because that is exactly the way that you maintain boundaries is when you know what they are. But yeah, I think there's no question that there are some people that might avoid, especially if you, you know, maybe have a background of a lot of sexual baggage and you just figure, well, I just won't date. And then, you know, somehow I'll eventually get married and all my problems will be solved that way. And I think you can date in a healthy fashion. And, and uh, in fact, that resource that we have for today that I've put together on dating. One of the stops in the seven dates to a love that lasts, one of them is talking about purity. And uh, I think mm. uh, when you hear statistics that over 60% of evangelical Christians in the church are sexually act single, who are, are sexually active, that's shocking to me. And um, maybe not anymore. The, the more I've heard that statistic, I hate to say I've, I'm less shocked by it than I used to be, but, uh, but it should shock us. And it should wake us up and say, you know, I wonder, I wonder how much healthier we would be if we just, how, I wonder how much our marriages would be healthier if we just maintained yes. God's uh, idea on our sexuality and our, and our relationships with one, with one Why another. Why is that then? I mean, it, because it's not that, uh, that people aren't being called to a higher standard, I don't think. I mean, the, God's word's God's word. Maybe, maybe you could say, well, pastors aren't preaching it as much anymore. And, okay, but you're only going to one church usually yeah. and you're listening to, you know, you're listening to Lena on the radio. Um, wh why, why the choice to be sexually active when you know this is counter biblical? I think, well, I think there's a lot of uh, layers to this. And I think one of them is even culturally, we are living in, in a much more isolated lifestyle than we used to be. You, you know, Again, going back to the 40s and 50s, which I know sounds like ages ago, but it's only 60 years ago, 50, 60 years ago. And so you think about the way that uh, um, that people used to live. They we used to have more roommates. You used to live with mm -hmm. your families. And so the opportunities, you'd have to, people joke about like, you know, going, parking the car and doing things in, in the car. Now you kind of go, really? Like, just go to people's apartments. You're on your own. And now you throw in this hyper-sexualized culture and the stuff that, you know, people are talking about publicly that you might not have talked about years ago. And I think that 
we're so much more open to, to sin than we used to be, even in the church. And, and now you add to it the fact that there isn't, you know, we used to have Sunday schools. We used to have Wednesday night Bible teaching. Now you go to church, you get one sermon a week. And, 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 and if you're lucky, you might be in a small group. And, and we know statistically that people aren't going to church like they used to. So I think that there's not the accountability, the community, and frankly, the adequate teaching on these topics so that you have to go search it out. And, and you have to sort of be given this, you know, spirit grabbed desire mm-hmm. to holiness. And uh, I feel, think far too many of us are seeking it with all of our hearts. Yeah. And I wonder if there's not a, an asking, even asking of the question, you know, yeah. is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Even logically, let alone, what does God say about this? Um, and then, and then, you know, let's be fair there, the pressure cooker of the, the culture, as well as then the pressure on the inside, let's say a, a person yeah. is getting a little older and they don't have as many prospects and this person wants to go further sexually than they want to go. But it's like, well, I, you know, maybe maybe I should just let my standards down a little bit. I mean, you can understand how yeah. all of that would go through the, uh, the no, mental process. No question. And and if you've been married before, you've already, you know, crossed right. certain barriers. And so you're right. And so you sort of think, you know, God God is a God of grace. And so he'll forgive us and on and on. And, and I think, you know, I, I think that is just because people are doing it doesn't make it right. And I think, again, you go back to our whole, like what's happening in our church right now in our country. And, and you hear people like last week, I listened to Anne Graham Lotz at Founders Week and just cry for revival. And if we Christians, and this, by the way, I, my comments are not to people who don't hold to the biblical worldview, but I'm talking to Christians who have, who have submitted their lives to God's word and to God's ways. And so if you don't recognize that God has spoken on certain issues um, very specifically and very clearly, these are not gray areas in the Bible. And now you're open rebellion if you're saying, well, I know what he says, but I'll just go against it and sort of hedge my bets. Well, no wonder God, you know, isn't doing the things in your life that you long for him to do. No wonder you feel so far from him. And that's not a angry statement. On the contrary, that's a, a begging statement to say there's so much more to the life of the Christian. There's so much more to your walk with the Lord. And if you would only taste of that, you won't want uh, to drink from other wells. Yes. We have a, a seven-day video devotional with Dr. Abu Jamra at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. If you go there, you'll see the link that takes you there, Seven Dates to a Love That Lasts. Again, just go to chrisfabrylive.org and you can find out more. Now to your calls at 877-548-3675. Tiffany's in Indianapolis. Hi, Tiffany. Go right ahead. Oh, hi. Hello. Um, so I just wanted to talk about every about the singles and how I have seen many single women in the church. Growing up in the church, I've seen many single women. And I even talked with one of them, and she basically told me that because of the marriages that she has seen in the church, where the man has, you know, had an affair and the whole church knew or he had a baby with somebody in the church, and the whole church knew. Um, you know, we had one guy who cheated on his wife, and then he also was doing cocaine. So, I mean, because of seeing marriages like that, she was like, I never want to get married because of the examples that she's seen. So I think if there were better marriage examples, more singles would want to be married. That's a good word. Yeah, and that is, Lena, let's be honest, there are, you know, so many examples of what Tiffany is talking about right there. 
you can be gun shy, you know, with and I don't want and I think that's one of the reasons why millennials are waiting longer and longer, because they've seen some of the mistakes of uh, older people and they don't want to replicate those, don't you? Yeah, and, 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 and to speak to Tiffany's point, leadership has not been very strong in the church in that example. Sad to say, there's been so many examples of leaders who have fallen, and and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, of course, we know on one side of our brain that nobody's perfect, and God is grace, and he forgives. We know that. We I believe that with all of my heart. But, I mean, to her point— yeah, that might make you now you add everything else. You go, man, I don't I'm happy single and keep, you know, but yet yet doesn't God use marriage? I mean, here I'm, I'm the single lady and yet I really believe with all my heart that God wants us to be married because it sanctifies us. It teaches you to die to self, to live, you know, for someone else. And and there's so many dynamics of spiritual growth that happen in the context of marriage. Remembering, again, that marriage is a picture of the gospel, Christ with the church and such a covenantal relationship. But yeah, I'm marred right now in the Christian world. And so, so much cynicism and, and hypocrisy. But um, but again, I'd go back to say just because the examples have been bad doesn't mean that the institution of marriage that God has created uh, for us to model the gospel, are that doesn't lessen that. And so my, you know, uh, heartfelt admonition to singles would be look past people to the Lord and see his beauty and what can happen when he is at the center of a marriage, which just means you have to learn to date well so that you mm. pick someone who, God willing, can model that. And I think that's, that's okay. doable. Th- then talk about that, dating well. And Tiffany, thanks for your call. What, what does that mean? What, what what are a couple of steps that you're talking about? Well, I put seven steps together, <laughs> and I, I really did th- with that in mind. I was uh, thinking about, uh, you know, first of all, I think it's um, sort of funny that I wrote this devotional, uh, which is on new version now, uh, a seven-day devotional on dating. But I really think just you don't have to date to, in order to understand. I mean, I've never had a baby, but I mean, I know how you have a baby, and, and I actually have birthed a baby. And so see, there's some things you can know about without, you know, having to, I mean, I birthed somebody else's baby. I'm not, I never had a baby, but just to clarify for the listener in my medical career. So uh, all this to say, I think you can know what God's word says on something. And he speaks so much on relationships. And so I put together this resource to sort of walk through those steps in dating. And I know it seems silly, seven steps, like really, you can really get it in seven steps. And and, and I really do believe it's not that complicated. And uh, so, so those steps are so straightforward. And I try to keep them so simple, but they sort of start with this concept, like if you're going to date, why are you dating? Don't you, like, don't you have to have a purpose in dating? We don't date just to fit some cultural pattern of what you do in your teens and 20s. Like you see 12 year old dating and you're like, why? Do you understand the Mm. point of dating? The point of dating is to get married. And so why is your 12 year old dating? And, you know, people will tell you different things while they're learning to interact with the opposite sex. So you don't need to be in an exclusive relationship at age 12 to know that you can wait until you're ready to get married. And, and so I walk through some of those steps and, and then I, you know, talk about what to look for in a spouse and, and, and the fact that you ought to have some things to look for. It doesn't happen by accident. Oh my gosh, here's a great Christian guy. He's got the 16 things. Oh, I don't even know what I'm looking for. And, you know, how do you find what you don't know you're looking for? And so mm. a very practical series that I think will help the single in thinking through dating, um, which, by the way, Chris, you said something earlier that was so good. We've never had such an ease of find. I mean, the numbers wise, you have so many dating sites, so many opportunities to meet someone. And yet I think dating is harder than it's ever been. Isn't that something? It's so counterintuitive. And it is. And it's, you know, we have all these time management resources and, and all of that. It's, and I say this not because I'm, you know, in the in the dating sphere. I just hear singles talking about this and I see it in my own life. The the 
a plethora of helps has made it, well, look at Bible study. The plethora mm. of helps and how much study are we actually doing? Mm. It's made it, you know, it's almost like, it's so easy now that we're not doing it. That's why, yeah. <laughs> that's why the technology doesn't always help us in this area. So if you go to chrisfabrylive.org, we've got a link right there. Those seven steps that Lena was just talking about. Here's my friend, Phil in Chicago. Hey, Phil, why'd you call today? Well, uh, let's see. I've been single all my life. It's almost 56 years. Uh, I believe that Jesus sanctifies us. I don't believe that marriage necessarily does. And I don't believe that I'm less sanctified because I'm single. Now, this would be the other thing. Uh, I think that Nancy Lee DeMoss Walgamuth is just, she's a hero to so many of us because she wasn't seeking marriage. Mm. She was completely content as a single woman, but then she opened her heart to what God might bring for her. Uh, I think that the church is far more worried about getting their single people attached than they are watching them grow in maturity in Christ. Amen. Whoa. Uh, That's a good one. That's good. We could go to preaching on that one. (laughs) My married friends are far more worried about me than I am. That's good. And and I, I think uh, particularly with the um, large population of single people, that the church needs to not only have a response, but needs to have a plan of action to incorporate these people fully into the life and ministry of the local church. Okay, let's stick with what you just said, though, Phil, about uh, your married friends are more worried about you than you are about yourself. I, I get that. The thing that you said a little earlier, though, is that the church is more concerned, and perhaps your married friends as well, more concerned about getting you attached to somebody else than they are about your spiritual maturity. First of all, Lena, do you agree disagree? I, Phil said so many outstanding things. First of all, thank you for every comment he said. And I, I by the way, agree with him 100%. Um, and, and even in reference to my comment earlier about marriage being sanctifying, I fully agree with Phil that God uh, has fair game to sanctify us in any state that we're in. And so praise God for that. And um, yeah, I think, uh, I, I, I think, you know, I think generally speaking, um, I mean, I, I, I guess I would say yes. I, I really don't have much more to add to what Phil has said. I think that the question goes back to, is the church caring about the spiritual growth of all of their members? And that's a hard thing to do. And the bigger the church and the smaller the leadership in the church, the harder it is to do that, which I think is part of the reason why people are not as vested in churches today as they used to be. Again, doesn't make it right, but it's a mm-hmm. fact. And uh, singles feel that brunt of that as well. I want to see then... If that's if, if this bears out with other listeners, uh, Phil, did you let me get this correct? You, you say the church is more concerned about connecting singles, matching singles than they are about maturity. Is that yeah, basically m- what m- you said? M- many are. Now, I'm not going to relieve the single person, which includes me. I'm not going to relieve us of our responsibility. But right. but like I said, Nancy, Nancy Lee Walgamuth. And Mary Welchel, these people that have married later in life, they're mm-hmm. my heroes uh, because I see how they fully committed everything they had to ministry and to God and to the, the gospel. And then 
they open their hearts mm. to what God may bring along. And there's a certain humility in that, I think, too, to say, I don't have everything figured out here. If God wants me to channel me in a different direction, I get that. Phil, thank you. So here's my question to you as you listen to that. Is Phil right? Is the church, in your experience, as a single, is the church more concerned about matching people up than they are maturity, number one, and number two? If the answer to that is yes, why is that so? So a really interesting question that uh, Phil brings up. Is the church more concerned about matching singles together than developing maturity, and if so, why? We're going to talk about that in the context of more of your questions and calls for Lena. Monique is in Illinois. Hi, Monique. Why did you call today? Hi, because I've been reserved almost two years now, and I truly believe in being pure and clean. It will keep you focused. When you when you have sex, it 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 mess with your mind. Um, fornication mess with your spirit. Your spirit can't fully flow the way it needs to. It's a distraction. And one of the reasons um, God does say in his word, 55 and 6, that our thoughts is not his thoughts and our ways is not his ways. Mm. So we have to we have to learn how to wait. And we don't want to wait because we somewhat of us, because we human first before we anything. And so that flush is like arising. But that's when we have to renew our minds every day. You know, and, and, and be around Christians like you that have the same character, you know, that have mm-hmm. the same things that you have. So I the value of those things. In. Monique, the, the, what you just said is becoming less and less even uh, ex- not only accepted. There's a there's a video that's going around of this young girl. And I hope at some point we'll have her on this video. has gone viral. And she's talking about the same things, purity, and she's talking about having a relationship with God and what, I, what happens when I wake up and I want to spend time with Jesus. And there is so much vilification mm-hmm. of this young lady in the culture simply because for something that, you know, a few years ago, people would say, well, you know, not only <laughs> would, would they say it's okay, they'd, they'd applaud it. And now it's, you're just a caricature, you know, that you think it's, it's almost like a joke when people say to be sexually pure, that's, you know, where where did you crawl out of? So uh, respond to what she's saying, Lena. Well, I mean, I I firmly affirm what you said, Monique. I think you're 100% right, more so than it it inhibits our flow. It's sin. And I think I, I really believe that the reason that we are where we're at right now in our culture is that we have just ignored God's word on this and and we just we think we know better and and there's so many layers to that and so first individually i think there's health and there's you know there's there's what you mentioned the flow of the spirit in you there's a discernment that happens there's an anointing that happens happens in your life when you're obedient to god in those areas and uh, and again and god is a forgiving god that's there's every single person listening to this show no matter what your past brings can come to the lord in repentance find forgiveness but i think even as a as a church and as a as a country and as a nation i think there's healing and going back to god's ways i mean the word of god is full of admonitions to repent and return and uh and i, I really think the the physical sins are one aspect of, of our love for idolatry. I mean, that's just going to, you know, just to answer that briefly, but, um, I think there's a turn too, don't you Lena, that 
people are beginning to hit the end of the sexual revolution and come up against the emptiness that that has brought with all of the Fifty Shades and, and all of that kind of well, stuff that's that's going on. Well, well, I think, I mean, the Me Too movement is, yes. is shocking in its just the, the, the ability of humans to do things sexually that you're like, how did that happen? And there's, you can't look at that. And there's so, again, there's so many layers to that, but you can't look at it and go, we are living in a hypersexualized time. And I, I'm not saying that they didn't back in the Roman times, but I think right. today it is accessible to every Christian. You can look respectable on the outside and have that little thing in your hand, the phone yes. that is just basically giving you direct access to all things sexual and against everything that God would hold up in terms of what he uh, would want for us, uh, for our own spiritual health. And so I think there is an anonymity now that makes it a sort of, you know, it's it's easy to hide what you really are. And and I, honestly, I think that's why marriage suffers, because you show up in marriage and you think you've married someone that's one way, and you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that if, if they had just looked through your history on your on your phone, they might yes. have found out more about you than every date that you've been on. And and so I think, you know, I think, uh, yes, to answer to your question, I think many people are praying for revival, and I do think that there is a bit of a disgust in our culture now to things that shouldn't be happening. And of course, what happened, you know, with the Olympics, um, uh, mm. you know, the trial that just went to court and, and the shock of that is if that doesn't wake us up, I think God is constantly calling us to repentance. And I think those things that are happening should wake the church, church up rather than hiding and being ashamed of what we believe. I really believe this is a time for us to light in the darkness and say, look, here's what I believe. And you may mock it and you may not like it and you may have lack of tolerance for it, but, but here's why I believe it. And here's the fruit of it in my life. And they may not yes. see the fruit. They may look at my life, for instance, and say, well, you're still single. What good has it been for you? I've never had a sexual relationship with another person. And you're like, you know, so I'm, I'm not saying this in pride, but someone might look at my life and go, well, you haven't, you know, I, I mean, I didn't mean it to like boast. I'm just saying like the Lord has, has just, this is part of my story and, and I might be mocked by others. I mean, I mean, uh, if I lose my temper too much, people can automatically make a joke. Well, you need to, da, da, da. and so it can, it can be a very dangerous environment to be a Christian in some ways, but I think this is indeed the time that we are to shine and let the light of Christ, let God stand up for God. Yes. You don't have to make up a story that makes him look good. You just abide a by his great word opportunity. and do what he wants and, and see him bear fruit of it. Monique, I'm glad you called today. Let me go to Clay in Ohio. Hi, Clay. Why did you call? Hi, I would just like to make a comment on uh, what you were saying about how the church views singleness and are they really nurturing, you know, uh, our life in Christ rather than, you know, being preoccupied with our singleness. And I have to tell you, I'm 46 years old. I just turned 46. Um, I've been single my whole life, and I've been to several churches, and I can tell you there absolutely is a preoccupation with people who are single, and almost to the point where it kind of angers me, because there is such a preoccupation with why aren't you married, why are you still single, that it's almost, you know, the things that we put in our life that keeps us, keeps our eyes off the Lord, that keeps us, you know, with our development um, in our walk with Jesus Christ— can very quickly become an idol. Mm. Our preoccupations, the things that we worry about, the things that we let people say to us, if we're not guarded, we can very quickly make that our golden calf, so to speak. And we have to be very, very careful. And that happens even mm. in our church. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's one of the reasons I'm not on internet dating sites. It becomes not because I, it's just not so much it becomes idolatrous, but I can't stop thinking about it. And why did the person not look at me? Why didn't we, the conversation not get, becomes oh, so absolutely. time consuming. Uh, and so I have to guard against things like that. Well, and I can tell you, I, I've gone to 
singles functions at churches, and it was a horrible experience because everybody everybody is there for the you know. And I, I know I sound like I'm making making a hasty generalization, but you just have to be careful because if you are functioning in Christ and you're keeping your eyes on the cross and you're doing His will. I've run into several people that have been wonderful relationships, even though it didn't turn out to be marriage. But mm-hmm. I didn't have to go into situations where maybe that preoccupation was the priority. You know, and I tell people all the time, I'm single, I'm not broken. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's two different, <laughs> that is two very wow. different things. That's good. And just because somebody is single, how we approach them, how we talk to them, how we reference their singleness can very quickly make them feel as if there might be something wrong. And I think that yes. is completely completely unbiblical, because when we keep our eyes on what that cross, what Christ did on the cross, mm. the power of the cross, um, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all else will be added unto you. I think the church needs to really just get down and dirty with the power of the cross supersedes <laughs> anything that goes on in your life, because Christ has it. Christ has gone before us. It's been handled. Please stop being preoccupied with it. That's very hard, because I know times in my life, when I'm burdened by something, it's all I can think of. But also when I'm burdened by it, I have to learn to lay it at Jesus' feet, lay it at the power of the cross and say, I know I'm not doing a great job of this now, but I know who my Father is. I know what it is mm-hmm. I need to do. And I just think singleness is just another one of those things where we can become very, very, once again, preoccupied and start to make decisions based on, well, this must be God's will. And then you realize mm-hmm. it was a horrible decision because we're forcing the hand of God because we just don't want to be lonely. And, you know, we just have to Clay, be very, me, very careful as, single, as me, a single person. I'm sorry. Let me jump to the to the defense of, of the leadership in the church, because I always get a little concerned when, when uh, we keep saying, and I'm agreeing with everything that you're saying, but when we keep saying the church needs the the church needs to leaders of the church have heard for years and years you need to do more with singles you need to get singles groups you need to you know all of the different uh, groups in the church and singles is one of them and so you start the singles group and now they're, you're here <laughs> well don't focus so much on matching us together and it's like I, I feel like I can't do the right thing you know so I can see a lot of leaders who are kind of scratching their heads and saying. I just, you know, it's easier just not to do anything. I'm going to run the other way because I don't want to offend anybody in anything I do. And I think that might be, Lena, part of the struggle that Phil and that Clay are talking about here, that most of the time when we do things in the church for whatever group of people or this person, that person, if you fit them into a group, what we're doing is I want that to not be a problem in my life anymore, mm. in in the life of my church, so that we can go on and do everything else that we need to do. I'm really busy. If I can get that single and that single over there matched together, then I don't. Those are two people that I don't have to worry about anymore until they get married. If they do, you see what I'm saying? That that we are more focused on the solving of the problem or fixing people. That as Clay said. I, you don't need to fix me. I'm okay. Right. You know, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I think I think leaders mean well. I've always said it, but part of the problem is you don't have enough singles who work in the church leadership. I mean, it's almost a negative if you have a guy who's a pastor who's single. And, you know, and I, I'm not even going to, you know, just, just talking about, that. I'm not even sure how female staff plays. And I think it's more common to find single female staff because there's a lot more of, of that. But generally speaking, it's almost like you can't be a pastor if you're single. And so now you've got this body of married people who, yeah, they want to fix a problem. I mean, most guys just want to 
fixed, you know, and and so and because most church leadership again and uh, it, it tend to be more heavy on on the male leadership, and 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 now you've got people who um, are you know just figure well if they all get married we won't have this problem anymore, and and it goes back to the point that I think uh, we're talking about now, and so maybe maybe you just you know maybe it's it's not so much about fixing anything but just loving and uh, mm. loving well and not trying to create a venue as much as just integrating into the life of the church in every way at every as level. Phil was saying. And maturity too. Yeah. You know what is the goal here? The, the goal here is for all of us to mature together and help each other. So, Clay, I'm I'm with you. I thank you for your call today. Let's take our final break. Dr. Lena Abujamra is with us today on Moody Radio. Back to your calls. Linda is in Illinois. Hi, Linda. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, I just wanted to, to to make a comment on being single after 45 years of marriage, where my husband passed away uh, five years ago, and so I'm at that opposite end of the spectrum. I'm single <laughs> again, and one of the things that I had noticed when my husband passed away, the church viewed us as a couple, mm. and when he passed, it was almost like I became invisible, that I had also died with him, and it has taken me five years to actually get to the point where the church recognizes me now mm. as myself and not part of that couple that we were. How did the change happen then? Um, was it something, did you stand up and wave a, a flag at some point or <laughs> how did they respond? It, it was just basically, I want to say perseverance and staying a active member of the church. Um, I did mm. think about leaving, but then decided this is my church. I'm staying. And by by staying active and making myself visible, um, the church recognizes me now. I'm very much um, a part of the church and recognized as part of the church. But there was that time when being single again, so to speak, was very difficult. Um, it was a really rough time within the church. Um, and, and I don't and after feel five myself years, as alone. Well, and <laughs> seeing I that after Christ five years, too, you know, you know that the things have changed now, Linda, after five years, but you're right. The person, you know, and I, I want to applaud you, and I, I'd love to talk with Miriam Neff about that topic because we talk with widowhood with her a lot. Uh, Lena, what were you going to say? Well, I think what... Um, what she's, what you're saying is so relevant, not just to you as a person who used to be married 45 years, but even for singles now, which has always been sort of my conclusion is, look, just because the church doesn't do the things that maybe singles we want them to do, you know, that doesn't excuse our role in the church. And, and, and early on in my single years, but when, back when my late twenties, when, when I stopped being just a college kid and I became a true single, you know, I sort of had to make a decision. I'm either going to roll my sleeves up and be part of this church, whether I feel like it or not, or, or I'm going to stop going and stopping to go is not an option for the Christian. And so you sort of have to make it work and, and you have to make it work to where you're not holding on to bitterness, where you're constantly, you know, checking your heart. But with time, I think your story is encouraging because we, you see that with time now, I can tell from even your tone that you're a 
integral part of your church. And I think, praise God for that. And I, you know, and I hope that for every single that we can follow in that example of saying, look, they may, whether they understand us or not, the answer isn't to just get them to change. It's to, for us to be willing to humbly submit to the Lord and saying, okay, God, this is your church and I'm going to sort of find my way, navigate my way in it and stay in it and be a part of the body for better or for worse. Glad you called, Linda. God bless you. Stacy is on the line next. Hi, Stacy. Hi, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Go right ahead. Um, I uh, wanted to um, just say a quick comment after um, Clay, who had called in. Um, he had some really um, good and um, accurate uh, thoughts about that, but also um, being single, in my forties, um, it's really it's really difficult from so many perspectives because um, primarily I don't feel that this is a choice. I'm I'm I see myself as primarily single um, as a Christian woman because I I choose not to marry someone who's not a Christian, mm-hmm. but you know. I, too, you know, go to some of these, you know, single events um, that aren't, that are very far and few between, but number one is you had mentioned um, in in one of your questions that I have never felt that, you know, the church cares, you know, one way or the other that, you know, we're matched up. I just, you know, think that they, you know, provide a room and, okay, they can, they can meet together and whatever happens, happens. Um in terms of, you know, our um, Christian life, but I don't feel any support from um, the church community, you know, number one of our existence, but support. And it's like, you know, we're a member of the family of Christ, and and we should be included as such. And there's such a, a, a huge disconnection in terms of the sensitivity, just like, um, Linda had just mentioned. And but it's so much me, easier, Stacy. So much easier to deal with the kids, you know, with Sunday school, with the Awana program, with the whatever, you know, the age group down here. Single is like, I, we don't know what to do. And it's, it's, it's a real struggle there. And I'm not trying to cut you off, but we're down to our last minute and a half here. So Lena, why don't you tackle what Stacy's talking about there? Well, I think, I think, honestly, this is at the heart of so much of the pain of Christians. I don't think you can evade that. And uh, uh, I, I think that has to change. I, we've said this before, Chris. I mean, I think you are a huge supporter of the singles community, but I really think that um, it's time for the church to um, sort of wake up and understand that they've got half their population right now who uh, is waiting to get involved, to serve, and and really all, you know, I don't think singles are asking for much. And so, um, you know, I think we can do what we can do, but at the end end of the day, my prayer for singles and my prayer for the church is that we find healing in this area. Mm. I think it's possible. I think it's not just possible. I think it's happening, and it's happening happening as we talk about these things and pray and ask the Lord to give us wisdom to find solutions. It's happening because people like you are speaking up, I uh, got a call from Heather here who said, I have so much respect for Alina. Every single needs to listen to her. <laughs> Thank you, Heather in Fort Lauderdale. Um, but people like you are speaking up and are you know, re- sounding the bell. There is this racial reconciliation thing that is going on in the church in some areas and in some areas not. 
And what we need is more people to step forward and say, hey, here's, here's what it looks like. Here's a good direction to go. Let's try this. And it's not like we all have to do it perfectly every time. We're going to make mistakes. So, Lena, you come back and join us again real soon. If you go to the website, chrisfaberylive.org, you'll see seven dates to a love that lasts, the devotional from Dr. Lena Abojamra. Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries.